0: Welcome to the Box podcast. We'll be chatting to some of the most influential people in the UK health and fitness industry to bring you their story
1: and their key messages. So, whether you're on the treadmill, commuting to work,
2: or simply sitting at home, we hope you enjoy.
1: A big welcome to Steph Ellswood. You may know her as Healthy Chef Steph, but she's our guest today. Steph, I have a bit of an introduction for you. Oh. I'm going to big you up now. Oh God, I'll try not to get embarrassed. Steph is a professional dancer, she's a qualified personal trainer, a home cooking enthusiast and an Instagram stories sensation. She's also (laughs) founder of the Stay Sassy Foundation. Is that accurate? Are you happy with that? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) I added Instagram stories in because I'm personally a massive fan of your Instagram stories. (laughs) It's mostly me being a weirdo, probably with my (laughs) mum. Your mum Sue is fantastic entertainment.
0: Yeah, Mama Sue's got her own fan base going now.
2: She's got her own Instagram profile
0: Absolutely um, She does She does But she gets really embarrassed Because for so long She hadn't posted anything And she was like I look like a fake account Like I need to post something Help me find She's a post.
2: Boss. So this yeah. has happened On every podcast Where the guest we've got on Has then spoken about Their mum <laughs> And so we're going to do A Mums of Instagram podcast yes! At some point
1: <laughs> Okay Oh my god that's amazing <laughs> Comment us on Instagram At Waybox or At Tally rye If you want us to do A Mums of Instagram podcast Because I would be here for it Right, we're going to delve a bit deeper today. So Steph, you're healthy and active and fit now. How old are you now? 21. 21. Still a child. (laughs) No, you're not. You're great. But has your childhood always been like that? Have you always been into health and fitness and been active? I'd say I'd always been active
0: because I started dancing at a very young age. I was dancing from three or four throughout my entire life. Mm. But I wasn't always into sport. I definitely didn't eat healthily. A standard dinner for me was white pasta with cheese, Yorkshire puddings, and chicken dippers. Um, <laughs> what a combo. Yeah. The only color on my plate was ketchup. Everything else <laughs> was just beige. But I think my journey to kind of a healthier lifestyle started about three or four years ago. Mm. So, growing up, I always put pressure on myself and I went to a dance school at the age of 14. So, I joined halfway through the school. Time. So, is this a full-time dance school? Is this still alongside education? It's a full-time dance school. So, we did our academics in the morning and then our vocational training in the evening. Okay. And I was new to the school. I was. There was only three new girls that joined that year and I found it very difficult to fit in because Mm. I'd come from an all-girls school where I didn't really wear makeup, I didn't really know what a boy was, (laughs) and my year at my old school was about 100 in a year, and then I went to a school where there was 20 in a year. It's intense. They all knew each other, they were all into things I wasn't into, and I kind of had to adapt and fit in, and I found the first few months very, very hard, and also we were at that time when I was a late bloomer, (laughs) and I literally didn't grow until I was about 16, I was tiny and everyone called me little Steph. And I found it very difficult when everyone started growing boobs and a bum mm-hmm. and I was just there like a little bean sprout and just looked half my age. And I I just felt really self-conscious about that, especially when we're in front of mirrors every day in a leotard and there's not really any escaping it. Mm. And all these girls were kind of looking more and more womanly and I was looking more and more like a child and I found that really, really difficult. And there's a lot of pressure because your dance teachers want you to be the best you can be, but I was only allowed to go to the dance school if my grades stayed at a high level mm. because before wanting to be a dancer, I wanted to be a brain surgeon or an architect.
2: So were They're all the same,
0: all the same, yeah. <laughs> so my parents said that my grades weren't allowed to slip, otherwise they'd pull me out of the dance school. So... Everyone else there was so passionate about dance, they didn't care as much about the academic side. So I was a bit of a geek and I'd go to extra maths and Mm. I tried to get put in for the higher level in French when everyone
1: was getting put in for the lower level. Putting pressure on yourself from all angles, really.
0: Yeah. And like at the end of year, there was always an awards ceremony and all of the girls were winning the acting award or the dance award. And every year... I won the academic award and when you're at a dance school that's not cool Mm. and I remember my acting teacher pulled me to one side because I used to feel like such a geek and get really self-conscious about it and she pulled me to one side after every acting class because I used to play up I used to try and be the class clown to kind of make people laugh so they didn't laugh at me and she'd pull me to one side after every acting class and just stare me in the eyes and just go it's cool to be clever. I love that. Yeah so that's kind of what kept me going just it's called cool to be clever and looking back now i realize that i'm very grateful for mm-hmm. putting that pressure on myself but then it came to a point where i i did get really really insecure so i was about 15 16 and this is when we started going to like house parties and i felt really self-conscious and i thought i'm never going to be the one with boobs i'm never going to be mm. I, in myself i didn't feel like i'd ever be the pretty one so i was like i'll just be the skinniest and it was at the time where kind of tumblr the social media yeah was at its prime and it was very pro-anorexia and it was the inspiration yeah yeah um and it was at a time when I think skins was out and obviously that's very like Mm. there was a storyline in that that was quite pro-anorexia and things like that and I just started restricting my food so at lunch I made friends with (laughs) the cafeteria ladies and the first year I was there I used to change my hairstyle and go up for seconds and then suddenly that stopped and I'd just order one portion and before I even sat down to eat I'd scrape half of it into the bin because I'm the kind of person that always finishes my plate Mm. so I thought if I had a smaller portion on my plate I'd finish it but it'd be less so then I started doing that and then it went to having just an apple for lunch and then things got really deep and I used to just leave every class and make myself sick
1: Um, what age was that it was GCSE year, so 15 or 16. Um, and did you feel like this was your way of having control over the situation of trying to fit in, of dealing with the pressure of schoolwork, of feeling like you didn't look like the other girls in the class when you looked in the mirror? Yeah, I think it was my
0: control mechanism because my body was obviously craving food mm. and when I did eat, I'd just be hit with this huge sense of guilt mm. and the only way that I could get rid of that guilt was to kind of get rid of the food so I used to just sneak out and no one thought anything of it and it would just be me and my own little secret but then it started becoming so regular and so normal that it was just habit Mm. so even if I hadn't eaten anything that I class as a bad food I'd still make myself sick.
2: Were your energy levels still the same were you still able to dance and and things like that?
0: I was really weak and If things got too intense in a dance class, I suffered from really bad anxiety attacks. And I remember the ambulance were called so many times where I'd just collapse in the corner. And when my heart rate raised to a certain level, I couldn't control it and I'd panic. And then I'd start breathing so deeply and heavily and pass out. And it was really hard because a lot of my friends didn't understand it. And I remember I had two friends at the time that I pulled to one side on separate occasions and told them the situation because I thought, this is getting silly now. I need to tell someone. Mm. And then I told them both I hadn't told anyone because I didn't want anyone speaking about yeah. it or spreading it. But anyway, when you're at a school that bitchy and that
1: yeah, it's like intense,
0: <laughs> they were both worried about me. So they spoke and then they came to the conclusion that I was attention seeking and that I wasn't actually doing it. So then they stopped speaking to me and I was kind of left on my own.
1: It's so sad how the teenage brain, the female teenage brain, is a weird place, Ben. I know you haven't experienced it, but (laughs) our logic is we're not rational people. I
2: don't think any teenagers are rational No, logic.
1: No. I remember one of them
0: told their mum and said to her mum that she couldn't tell my mum because they were quite close. And I think it came out about two months later when I was really secluded, sitting Mm. on my own at lunch.
1: So did your parents not realise what was going on at this point?
0: No, because I'd always been petite right? and I'd always been naturally small and mm. things like that. And I was at a school where we'd finish at five, but then I had to commute home. The first year I used to always eat an upper crust on the way home. Mm. So I'd just say that I'd eaten already and they didn't think anything of it because I was still you petite. Just, you were just hiding it from them. Yeah. And after a few months of me literally being on my own, the mum decided to tell My mum, the situation, and my mum was obviously heartbroken one, because she didn't see it, and two, because it had come from someone's mum that, yeah, and she wasn't speaking to me still. So, my mum sat me down, and then that was even harder because I felt like I had a pair of eyes on me, so it made it harder for me to kind of sneak around and carry on doing it. But I completed my GCSEs and I got to a place where it was controlled more, Mm. and I decided at the end of that year that I didn't want to stay on at the school because everyone else was and I kind of wanted a new fresh start and I didn't want... You needed a new identity. Yeah, yeah, and I needed also a new... Because it was in the same building, I kind of needed a new atmosphere and a new... Because there were so many negative memories in that building. So I changed schools at 16 and I went to the Erdang
1: Academy, Yeah, which was incredible
0: for me. Which is still
1: so young to go into full-time vocational training. I have been personally... I don't know. I feel like I bring this up on every podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have been through full-time vocational training and I went at 21. So I went at the age you're right now. Yeah. And I don't know if I could have handled it at 16. So hats off to you, girl. I think you're amazing.
0: Thank you. Well, it, it was hard because I was one of the youngest in my year. Yeah. And there was a woman in my year that was 27. Mm. And to be with someone that's 11 years older than you and to be learning the same style of dancing, like there was some classes when we were doing like Chicago and there were women being sexy and I was still technically a child. Yeah. So the first year for me there was amazing, but intense. But then the pressure kind of got to me at the end of first year. And I wasn't necessarily a favourite. I wasn't one of the people they didn't like, but I wasn't a favourite. And when you are one of those, you're in the front for every dance routine. Yeah. You get solos and things like that. So you put pressure on yourself to be the best you can be. And you compare yourself to so the best It's a very competitive
1: environment.
0: It kind of makes you or breaks you. Yeah. And I became friendly with a girl who opened up to me about having bulimia. And that kind of knowing that someone else had it, I know this sounds silly, kind of triggered me again. Yeah. Because I thought, oh, well, if she's doing it, then it must be okay. So then in my first and second year, I kind of relapsed and it was far more intense than before. And I'd leave every class halfway through and say I was going to the bathroom and make myself sick, and I used to just cry by myself a lot. I was miserable and I actually lost friends Mm. because it got to the point where my energy levels were so low, and I was hangry all the time, and just was a really negative person to be around. I thought everyone was the most beautiful thing in the world, and I thought everyone was the most talented people in the world, and I'd compliment people and I'd I'd strive to be like them, Mm. but then I wouldn't be helping myself because... You didn't feel you deserved it in a way. yeah. And it wasn't until my favourite teacher who taught me tap, he was my favourite teacher in the whole wide world, pulled me to one side and just said, what's going on? And I just had a massive breakdown and cried. And my panic attacks were coming back. So I had a panic attack in a jazz class and the jazz teacher took me to head of dance who took me to the principal and the principal was helpful, but she said, if you don't sort yourself out, we're going to have to ask you to leave mm. and didn't really offer me much support. Mm.
2: How long had this been going on for in total prior to, to this? That's about two years,
0: isn't it? Yeah, yeah. so this is yeah. the end of second year. And I said, I don't really know how to sort myself out because this has been going on for a very long time. And she said that I had until half term to tell my mum. And obviously that I knew that would break her heart again because she thought I was fine and things like that. Whenever my mum and I have like a deep meaningful chat, it's always in the car. Mm. So we'll pull in when we get home and I'll be like, I've got something to talk about. And she's like, oh, God. (laughs) So I sat her down and just told her and we had a big cry. And then she took me to my GP and I just opened up about everything. And I think she was shocked to hear what I was doing to myself. And the GP referred me to the Maudsley Hospital in Denmark Hill. And I saw a woman who I called my angel once a week for a year and then once a month for six months. And I, I had special permission to leave college, travel to Denmark Hill, see her and then come back. Mm. And that really helped. So she gave me certain things and tips and kind of helped me pinpoint where this problem had come from. And kind of face it head on. Mm. But I remember in my first session, I was sat in the waiting room, so embarrassed and nervous and scared. And opposite me was a girl I went to school with. really. And we didn't say anything to each other. We didn't even look at each other. I think we were both really embarrassed to see each other there. And then afterwards, she just sent me a Facebook message and was like, look, I know what you're going through. I hope you're okay. Sending loads of love. And I think it was nice to know that someone so close yeah Mm. and I mean it was horrible to see her that thin and that vulnerable but I'm sure she felt the same and that treatment is probably what
1: changed my mindset Mm. but then there's been years of work after that absolutely recovery is not an overnight thing and it is such a journey and it's something you're still going to be on for a long time to come in so many ways because there's certain elements you recover from a lot quicker than others and there's still that mental battle every day. And I just think you're so brave to even Mm -hmm. talk about this today. I really hope people listening, I know they're going to relate to it. And I know there's so many girls that follow you, young girls, who also are dancers, who are going through a similar thing. And like you said, your principal just didn't know how to deal with that. And that scary situation is something... I'm not surprised at at all. I know that kind of that world and... That's what we need to do, and I think what you're doing so well with the Healthy Chef Steph platform, which we'll get onto in a second, is educating people and showing people that it's important to understand how to be healthy and have a good relationship with food, with your body, with exercise, especially through that stage, especially through that kind of the puberty years, so to speak, through Mm -hmm. those teenage years when you're so vulnerable to these things, and to educate people in power and, yeah, I think... It's amazing. Thank you so much for opening up. I think um, this is going to help some uh, people today. During that time, is that when Healthy Chef Steph was born? So Healthy Chef Steph is your online persona, it's your Instagram account, (laughs) it's your YouTube channel. Yeah, so I,
0: as part of the curriculum for our diploma, we had to study healthy performer, which is when you talk about the basics of nutrition and how to fuel yourself for if you're in a West End show and you're performing eight times a week. So during those classes, I realised how filthy my diet was and mm. how I was getting no nutrients and my hair was falling out at the time. And that's why. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a reality check for me. I'd started my therapy and was slowly working through that. And then to know about and find out about all these vegetables that I needed to eat yeah. was huge. So I started to get really creative with my food and experiment. And I was trying to get in my seven to nine portions of fruit and veg a day. And I started an online Instagram to kind of document my food and to show my mum that I was eating and getting excited about food again. So I posted my breakfast, lunch and dinner every day, even if it was just in a Tupperware, on my way to college, and i just kind of say what it was.
1: Something to keep you accountable, isn't
0: yeah. it? Yeah. And I actually started posting it on my personal account, which I don't use anymore. And all my friends were like, okay, Ugh, cool, we get it. Yeah. We get it. Like, yeah, You eat kale. Cool. <laughs> cool story. So I was like, fine, I'll start my own account and didn't tell anyone. And... I got really excited about it and I'd be so excited to take a photo of my lunch and to experiment with recipes and stuff and then I remember I got to 99 followers and I was like, I'm a hundred. <laughs> and this is back in the days, I don't know if you remember, you know when it used to come up with names of people that yeah. liked it? And then when you got 11 likes, that's when yeah. it went to numbers. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to see names anymore. I, w- I want to see the number. So I was like, I'm going to start telling people about it. So I remember I ran into the school canteen. I was like, someone follow me. <laughs> and my friend Ryan was like, I'll do it. So then he was my hundredth follower. And then I started pulling people to one side and being like, look, don't tell anyone because I'm really embarrassed about it, but can you follow me? And I will just like, <laughs> tell my close friends. and then. After about two months, this guy, Ryan, pulled me to one side and was like, what you're doing is amazing, but you need to have a face to it and you need to tell your journey. And I think that'd be way more inspiring than avocado. Mm. And I was like, "Hmm, maybe. And I hadn't taken a selfie in my whole entire life until the age of about 17. Like, I just didn't. I wasn't one of those girls. No, it wasn't a thing. No. And I had so many friends that did, and and I was just like, no, I can't, like seeing my face makes me cringe. But anyway, I, I took one and I was like, Mum, I'm gonna post this tonight. And she was like, What? And I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna like introduce myself. And she was like, No, 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 they just wanna know what you've had for breakfast. They don't care about you. Like she was bit, she was <laughs> oh. she was just like worried for me, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. understand that. She wasn't being nasty, like she's a great woman. But um I was like, no, I'm gonna post it and see what happens. Anyway, so I did and I started to introduce myself and started to share my fitness journey. So I started going to the gym, started to get more active outside of dance and I started to document that. And for some reason, people enjoyed it. They started liking my pictures and following me. And I remember when I first got sent, the first person who ever sent me product was Lucy B Coconut. Yeah. And she sent me coconut oil and I was like, oh my (gasps) God, I've made it. (laughs) I was like, oh my. And then (laughs) I remember I tagged Nike in one of my workout videos and I got a notification on Twitter saying, hi Steph, can you follow us? We've got a message for you. And it was Nike with a verified tick. And I was like, what? (gasps) So anyway, they DM'd me and had this opportunity to take me to Stockholm for three days. Oh
1: my goodness.
0: And I could not believe it. And I didn't think it was real until I was in the taxi on the way to the airport. And I had a really bad dance audition before that weekend. And it totally knocked my confidence to the point where I was crying for weeks because the guy that took the audition was so nasty to me.
1: And totally knocked my confidence. I'd just graduated, so I was... So... Hang on, just pause this. So when I had met you before that, though, hadn't I? Yes. So we met at your first ever event. Yes, we did. You were the first blogger I ever met. True story. <laughs> remember remember me when you're famous, <laughs> Healthy Chef Steph. Yeah, so we met. I turned up
0: to that event and I was invited by a friend and she couldn't come last minute and I was so nervous because I used to be really awkward talking to people I didn't know and Tally came over with this huge smile and introduced herself to me and I just
1: remember you being really colourful you were dressed in like a really colourful outfit and I just thought you were the smiley happiest <laughs> loveliest bundle of joy that I was, was just my so, first impression I was so happy to be there and that was the only gym outfit I owned I think I probably have the same Look, like, trust me it was early <laughs> days for me too I wasn't any pro I still was wearing like my Primark activewear that I'd already owned for like two years.
0: <laughs> and then I had this really bad audition and I came back from Stockholm after the most amazing three days and I couldn't believe it and it was, it was a very like pinch myself moment. Yeah, it's huge. And I thought, I'm going to dance auditions and putting myself out there and trying to be this person that I'm not and getting rejected for it and told I'm not good enough or I'm not the right shape or the right size or the right look and things that I couldn't necessarily change or I can carry on with this blog that I've started and posting and be myself and people seem to like me for me.
1: Yeah. So that was a it's massive very empowering feeling, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And I kind of decided then that it was time for me to post content for me and not be a Tumblr page for someone, but be the page that I wish I could have turned to yeah. in my darkest hour. And it was at that point when I started to take more time and to kind of get more creative with it. And that was kind of when it started and shortly after that I hit. I think, 10,000 followers, and I remember my mum and I dancing around my kitchen, (laughs) screaming, getting so excited, and we just couldn't believe it. At
2: what point does it actually explode? Because obviously, to go from your 99 to 100, thank you, Ryan, to then having however many tens of thousands of followers, is there a point where it literally tips over the edge? Or just continue?
0: I think mine's been kind of a slow roller. Like, I've never really had a point where it just blows up and I got, like, 10,000 followers. I think it's more it started as maybe I'd get 10 followers a day and then I'd get like 30 followers a day and it's kind of like slowly but surely Mm. because I've been doing it now for three years so it's not like I've woken up with followers overnight like it has taken time and effort and you do have to post regularly and it is a full-time job Mm. and I remember when I graduated my parents were like you need to get a job to get some money in and I was like give me a year because at the time I was in a girl band and I was like give me a year to see what works out and... They agreed to fund me for a year and then after that year was finished I was going to go back to my job at Harrods being a spritzer girl uh, (laughs) with perfume. (laughs) And after the year the girl band sadly didn't work out but through that I met management for Healthy Chef Steph and that's when I signed a deal with my best friend to work with Nike and be the face of their online platform. And then that was when my parents were like, okay, cool. Now you're starting yeah. to monetize this. This is a thing now. You can make this into a business. So
1: I think it's awesome that you've done that and you went and pursued the avenue. But I think the biggest thing I admire about you is the fact that despite the hard time you had throughout your dancing life, that the, this past 12 months you've gone back to it and you've been training yourself up and I believe you're signed to one of the biggest dance agencies going and you kind of thought, no, I want this. And I think I admire that so greatly about you. What's it like to be a professional dancer?
0: Dancing is what I've loved since it's been for as long as I can remember. I've always danced. I used to dance every Friday night in the chip shop and the little old lady that worked and they used to cheer me on whilst I tap danced. It's something that is a passion of mine and I feel like it's what I was born to do. And it's something that comes... The the excitement that I get comes so naturally and I don't need to fake it. And I think a massive turning point for me was my nan got really sick and she was like my best friend in the whole wide world. And she used to love watching me dance and she asked me why I didn't anymore. And I didn't really have an answer other than I lost my confidence. But Mm. I was at a stage now when I'd recovered from my eating disorder I'd come a huge way and I was ready to kind of throw myself back into things. And the day she passed away, I had an audition. And my mum was like, I totally understand if you don't want to go, you can just call up and explain the situation. I was like, no, I'm going. And I felt like she was there with me. Yeah. And I actually got the audition. I didn't end up taking the job, but I I got offered a position there. And I felt like that was a huge turning point. And my nan was behind me, like pushing mm. me the whole way. And so I started going to open class. And then there was an audition for this dance agency Dancers Inc who is is so well respected in the industry and it's been a dream of mine since as long as I can remember and I had the opportunity to either go away to the Alps or take this audition and I was like the Alps is confirmed and it means I'll definitely be going but the audition is kind of I'm Mm. not guaranteed a place there but I just thought I need to take a risk so I did and I turned up at this audition and I was so nervous but I thought I've got Healthy Chef Steph going, if I don't get this, they hold auditions every year so I can come back next year when I've had more training and have more confidence. So that took a lot of the pressure off and I could not believe it when on the day out of, I can't remember how many people there, but it was hundreds of people, I got down to the final 12 girls and I knew they were only taking eight, but for me that was a huge achievement. It's massive. So when I got the phone call, obviously I broke down crying and I was (laughs) so happy and, and I'd done a few jobs dancing before, but I can't explain the feeling of being on stage performing and you're giving something to an audience and you're making them feel something. And that's incredible. When you look in the audience and you see smiling faces or you see moved faces, you know that what you're doing is... Bringing joy. Yeah. Yeah. And that is just a feeling I can't even explain. And It's my comfort zone. It's where I feel safe now. Even going to a class, because at the end of class, and it's something I do at my Stay Sassy events, is you perform and you split up into little groups and you perform to the others... And just even doing that, I get this adrenaline
1: rush and this excitement, and oh, I just love it. Since the passing of your lovely Nan, yeah, um, you started the Stay Sassy Foundation. I believe in her memory. Yes, I don't want to put too many words in your mouth. So, talk to us about the the thinking behind Stay Sassy and what you want to do with it. When I started going to dance classes, I started
0: posting videos, and people said that they'd love me to put on my own dance class, and I. Thought about it for ages and I was like, I'd love that. But I know what it's like to go to a dance class, not pick up the choreography, and then leave feeling awful. So I spent most of my life at drama school <laughs> feeling like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to add an educational element afterwards that meant that everyone was going to leave on a high. And my nan, bless her, instead of saying love you, she used to say stay sassy because she thought as a generation we overuse the term and we just throw love mm. around like it was nothing. So whenever she left a room, she'd just be like, stay sassy. Because she had a little following too on Snapchat. I used to... She was great. She was so fabulous. And she'd always flirt with the male doctors and it was great. Anyway, so I decided to host this event and I called it Stay Sassy, obviously, after her. And we had a hospice that came to my house twice a day to look after her, do the things that she was embarrassed for my mum and I to do. Mm. And also help my mum because it was horrible for my mum to watch her mum slowly pass. And they were incredible. They were so lovely and they're mostly funded by private donations and they only get the smallest percentage from the NHS, but they do so much. So I knew I wanted to support them and give back and give other people's nans the opportunity to have the best time possible. To have that dignity
1: as well. Yeah. Mm.
0: And I decided to put on this event and I was so nervous no one would turn up because I'd never done anything like it. So I found the smallest venue I could that held 25 people and I collaborated with a qualified psychiatrist and a motivational speaker to give an element afterwards to make them all leave on a high and I got there and I was so nervous and one of my friends from dance school came with me to help assist me and my mum was there obviously (laughs) Um, my manager was there and all these women turned up and as I was setting up inside my mum was introducing people that had come on their own outside so when everyone came in there was just this energy and this excitement and I couldn't believe that these people had come to see me and I couldn't believe that the event sold out in 45 minutes I was so shocked and then that event for me was the most special day ever so I read the poem that I wrote for my nan's funeral Mm. so that everyone could understand why they were there there was a framed photo of my nan in the corner so it was like she was there yeah we raised 500 pounds for the hospice amazing these women at the beginning of every event I teach the women how to walk in heels because stay sassy events are for empowering women and i teach them how to walk in heels dance in heels and then there's this body confidence element afterwards and (laughs) the first time we walked across the room everyone's shoulders were shrugged their heads were Mm. low they were nervous and then i put on shout out to my ex by little mix and i said i want you to imagine your ex-boyfriend is in the middle of the room you're gonna walk up to him you're gonna flick your hair you're gonna feel amazing and then you're gonna walk off and out of nowhere, this attitude from these That's women sad. and the support, though, <laughs> yeah. they'd, they'd see something they would liked and, and they'd just scream and they'd just cheer them on. And it was like we were all becoming this family. And I, I can't even explain how incredible it was. And then I was teaching this dance routine, which was to a Beyonce song, and... None of these girls had danced before. And I had to teach it in a way that was almost like a storyline. So I was saying, we're walking over to the bar, we're flirting with the barman to get a free drink. Then we're walking over to Mm. the dance floor, having a boogie. And all these women picked up the dance routine, killed it. And you could see they were having so much fun. Even if they made a wrong step, they'd still have this huge grin on their face. And at the end of that event, after the body confidence element, people cried, people laughed, people left on such a high. I was like, we need to make this a thing, we need mm. to do this
1: more. And how many have you done now? We've done four now. So I went to Steph's most recent event then. Yep. I feel like you need to come to the next I'm one.
2: All about the, Get sass, the heels yeah. on <laughs> straight across the room. <laughs> I've got two left feet there, there's no chance of me dancing. No, you'd be
1: surprised, yeah, but you've got people there of all abilities, of all shapes, of all sizes, of all levels of confidence, and the energy in the room is infectious. I've never enjoyed a dance class so much in my life. And I did it every day for five years. And I think it's what the dance world needs. It's what people need. It's learning to move in a way that isn't, it's enjoyable. It's fun. And it's it's making like that activity and that exercise in a way, like something a lot more accessible that, if people haven't had that kind of dance school upbringing, you don't feel like you can get any more.
2: How frequently are you doing these events now? Is it just sort of ad hoc at the moment? Um,
1: It's about every six weeks at the moment. You've got another one coming up, is that right? Yes,
0: the next one is the 18th of February. We found a studio that is so beautiful and my nan was obsessed with Strictly Come Dancing and when she said stay sassy, it was as if she was Bruce Forsyth. (laughs) Stay (laughs) sassy! And the studio that we found is Karen Hardy's studio in Fulham, which is, and she is one of the professionals off of Strictly, so it just, everything is tying in together and it's just incredible and I love seeing regular faces and new faces and what I love is that a 16 year old girl will come but so will a 50 year old mum, and it's amazing yeah Yeah. and they come with their mums and they come and so many girls come on their own and I remember at the last event which was the Christmas one um two girls came matching dressed in tinsel and I was like oh you two like did you come together and they said we met at your first event And we have regular FaceTimes and we're now really close. And it's so nice because we've got a Facebook group and everyone that comes to any event gets added to this Facebook group and they write in it when they're feeling low or when they're feeling happy or when they've got something exciting to announce. And the support in there is absolutely incredible. Like for the last event, a girl's friend pulled out last minute and she was so nervous to come alone that a group of girls met her at the station and they all walked together. And it's little things like that and they're meeting up for brunches and going on nights out and... It just makes me so happy to know that these people who thought they had no one have suddenly mm. come together and bonded yes. over something. Having
2: the And imagine effect, if yeah.
0: you'd have had that in your teens. Well, the, the main goal for Stay Sassy is I want to be able to buy a space where I can fund classes and offer cheap prices so people can get help and there'll mm. be... The dream is to have a little cafe off the side called sweet susan's after my mum for it to be <laughs> wi-fi so people can go and just sit there and work and just kind of have that community and that safe place to go to where you can have beginners dance classes and not mm. feel insecure because a lot of the dance schools in london that you can pay for a class Quite at are very intimidating and lots of professional dancers go there and you don't if you've never danced before you don't want to be in a room with a professional no because that's when you start comparing yourself to them so We've got big
1: dreams. With I the love that. Awesome, and I feel like yeah. this is just the it beginning really as well. Cool, yeah. It's a really exciting time. Okay. So, got a couple of... I call them questions, but they're definitely not questions. They are statements that you're going to finish. Okay. The biggest misconception about me is... Um... The
0: biggest misconception about me is that I'm happy all the time. I think everyone thinks that I'm always smiley and bubbly, which is true, majority of the time I am, but I do still have my low moments, I do still suffer from anxiety, and I'm trying to talk about that more, and trying to normalise it, and Mm. trying to... I watched your most recent YouTube video about it. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I want to be able to speak about subjects that I still suffer with. I don't want to make it look like my life is all sunshine and rainbows. Because don't get me wrong, majority of the time it is. And I'm so grateful for where I am. But you still get those low moments. And it's, it's usually after a Stay Sassy event. I have three days of pure joy and excitement. And then it gets to, it's always the Wednesday after every event, I just crash. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's because I've given all my energy and given it all out. And I just need that day to kind of Give top it up back to myself. Yourself. Yeah. And I think as much as I am happy all the time, I'm not the kind of person that will cry on my Insta story. But after I've cried, I'll laugh about it and be like, oh my God, I just cried about cheese.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> I think people need to see that more. Yeah. Just being yourself and being real, isn't it? Showing yeah. all facets of you. Next one. If there is one thing I can use my platform to change, it would be?
0: Um, I want to be that profile you go to when you're feeling down and hopefully gives you advice to bring yourself back up. Not to distract you but to actually educate you in Mm -hmm. how you can do that and to make especially young girls that are going through that stage that I went through know that they aren't alone and know that there is a way out and with the right advice and the right time they can get there and they can get to where they want to be and i think just learning how to make yourself happy learning that it's okay to be on your own and have your own space and just things like that really
1: i love that and then the final one my ultimate goal is to my ultimate goal is to make the stay sassy foundation the biggest charity of its kind i love that Steph, thank you so much. Thank
2: you, Steph, for coming on today.
1: I could listen to you talk all day. And I think we both really appreciate your honesty today and just really opening up to us. And I really hope you guys do too. Let us know what you think. Comment on Instagram at Waybox, at Tallywright, at Healthy Chef Steph. Let us know what you're thinking because we absolutely love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks,
2: Steph. Hi, everyone. It's Ben from Waybox. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Whether you're on your way to work, on the treadmill, or simply chilling at home, we want this to be a nice, easy piece of convenient content that you can consume. If there's anyone that you want us to interview, let us know by emailing hello at waybox.com. Of course, you can send us a message on Instagram at Waybox or also message Tally at Tally Rye. And if there's any feedback, if there's anything you want us to talk about or any more information that you want, just drop us a line.